in my spare time at a young age of like 10 or so, I'd like to say, I love playing games in my free time. I was stumbled across one called, I think it was Roblox maybe, that Roblox has their own game engine that you can use to create your own games. Going forwards with that, it really turned a passion into what I would like to think started off my career in the sense that that passion for 3D modeling and building my own games, et cetera, opened up my eyes to the opportunity of, you know, our industry today. Welcome to the Access VFX podcast. Pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness, and opportunity in VFX, animation, and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects, animation and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. Hello, I'm Simon, founder and director of Access VFX, and welcome to season two, episode eight of the Access VFX podcast. In this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Niall Smith, former VFX apprentice and now fully-fledged compositor at Jellyfish Pictures. Niall and I recorded this on Zoom this week, and may I say how much I love meeting anyone who has been through the VFX apprenticeship route. Niall was great and gives us some amazing, super applicable advice on this episode for anyone even slightly interested in an apprenticeship in our industry. We very much hope you enjoy episode eight of the Access VFX podcast. Hello and welcome to the Access VFX podcast, season two, episode eight. It's me, Simon Devereaux, and I'm joined today by a former VFX apprentice, graduate of the Next Gen Skills Academy program and Westminster Kings Bay College, of course, now a firmly established compositor at Jellyfish Pictures, with credits on shows such as Spirit Untamed, Sex Education, and more recently, The Book of Boba Fett. It's the very wonderful and super talented, it's Niall Smith, everyone. Cue applause. <laughs> so welcome to the podcast, Niall. How the devil are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, we've been meaning to get you on for, for some time and you'll, you'll know from previous episodes that the the new approach to the pod is to have that really nice blend of what we kind of call heavyweights, but people who've been in industry for a while, as well as people who haven't been in industry for a while. And that really lovely kind of near peer experience that our listeners get, as most of our audience are people trying to get into industry and aspiring to be in a position you're in. And the, the VFX apprenticeship route is, is one way of doing that, right? There's lots of ways in, but I'm a big fan of the apprenticeship program as it continues to blossom. And you're you're uh, one of the many fruits of that that program that is still quite quite a young program, really, in many ways. Uh, the, the apprenticeship program in our industry hasn't been around for that long. But you're you're well established now, like I said in your intro, right? You're you're well well embedded in jellyfish now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've been at it for a few years now, and uh, couldn't agree with you more in terms of the apprenticeship route. I think it's amazing way to break into the industry, and I think we're seeing it more prevalently as we go into. The new year, I think there's a lot of new people coming into the industry now as well. And I think it's becoming more prevalent that it's an actual possibility for people to join the industry through an apprenticeship. And I think getting the word out there that people can take this route is a massive thing because it's such an amazing opportunity. And I certainly found it to be uh, an amazing experience getting myself started out in uh, VFX. Absolutely. Brilliant. And your apprenticeship, Nile, was uh, was at Jellyfish as well. So you've done the 
almost the dream route where you you did your apprenticeship at Jellyfish and then they obviously harnessed your talent and took you on as a as a permanent compositor. Absolutely, yeah. No, I started out with very little knowledge of uh, Nuke 2 being taken through the ropes and they taught me everything and I've been able to pick up a lot of things along the way from a wide range of very, very talented compositors and other people alike in other departments working on a large variety of projects really through the apprenticeship and you know that that exposure and experience really brought me to where I am today and molded me into the compositor I am now so yeah really thankful for it. Brilliant and the I mean we're going to touch on the apprenticeship I imagine quite a lot during this episode Um, but I'd love to kind of hear about you know that early part of your application and 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 that foot in the door that you got on the program and obviously you were successful in absolutely so I think the biggest thing they really look for as is with anything really I think the key selling point to any application is just you know your drive ambition and keenness to learn and I think if you have those main things and you know you put yourself across as an outgoing person and you're you're just keen to learn. I think those are the biggest aspects or key selling points. But in addition to that, throughout my college experience, I'd always had a very artistic background going through school and college. And I developed myself a nice little website from, I had the opportunity to actually work on a games course prior to starting the apprenticeship. And I think that gave me like a really well-rounded generalist kind of approach to the course and I think when I started out at Jellyfish as well not that we've necessarily ever been a small company but there were a lot of generalist roles or you know typically you get to work on a large variety of things I think my real kind of appealed to the company as well in the sense that I'd done some 3D I'd done some 2D so I think it is important though that you do specialize or focus on one thing but as a starting point I had a lot of foundations that would help me potentially even navigate the VFX pipeline in the sense that I'd done some game industry experience and big thing that we'll maybe touch on later is I got the opportunity to do some work experience on my college course prior to the apprenticeship and I think it was that on the job work experience that I got that really opened my eyes and made me think wow okay I have learned so much in a short period of time this is amazing I want more of this so I immediately looked for an apprenticeship and I was fortunate enough to come across this one. Was university ever a consideration for you, Niall, do you think? Yeah, it absolutely was. I think I was kind of very unluckily lucky. So (laughs) I moved moved back from, so I used to live in New Zealand and I moved back to the UK at the age of 16. And because there's difference in seasons, I essentially wasn't able to start my A-levels as I should have done because I'd joined so late. But what that did enable me to do is I had essentially a forced gap year in, in a way. And I was like, right, how can I best make the use of this time? And I came across the opportunity to look at some courses that weren't necessarily the direct route of A-levels, et cetera. And I stumbled across, you know, the game industry and the film industry. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know I could make this a career out of myself. And I think this is a really important thing I want to also get across today is, you know, these are opportunities that young people can absolutely pursue. And there are so many possibilities of breaking into the industry now that I think it's so important to be aware of them. And yeah, that's, that's what got me all started into this. 
It's a great, great answer. And uh, the what we, we push all the time, whether it be this podcast or events, is you know this idea of visual effects kind of being a hidden career and and people still just stumble across it. You know, nobody speaks to their parents says it, say, I want, I want to be a visual effects artist when I grow up. You know, it's just something Absolutely. that goes, wow, I can do this. You know, this thing that I've seen on TV, at the cinema, wherever you catch your shows, it's a sure. viable career path. I mean, I think just about everyone can say that they've played a game a million times or they've watched a film that they've loved on repeat till they can quote more or less the whole script <laughs> themselves. I think not often do we think, well, actually, what if I could do this? So I think that's a really fortunate opportunity I had through my circumstance that I ended up doing this course that led me to take the apprenticeship in film and TV. Excellent. Unluckily, unluckily, lucky. I love that. Unluckily, yeah. I'll say that after a few years. <laughs> unluckily, lucky. But yeah, I might try that. Oh, I might not because it is a bit of a tongue twister. Um, okay, so all of this stuff I really want to keep checking in on and I want to uh, almost have this as a thread throughout our discussion. But I think we should open the Access VFX vault now and get into the, the questions that I know you're dying to get stuck into. Is that okay, Niall? Are we good? Absolutely. Let's do it. Right, so let's open the vault and... The first question is, where in the world are you and where did you grow up? For sure. So I'm currently based in London, as you mentioned, working for Jellyfish Pictures. And growing up, I did move a lot, but mostly based in England. And yeah, I've I've, I've done a bit of traveling as well through my parents' occupation. So yeah, it's good that I think I've had that opportunity to live in lots of different places because I think it was, you know, definitely character building and made me more outgoing and social I think in the sense that moving to new places you have to adapt to you know different cultures and make friends quickly. Interesting I mean what what countries have you spent time in out of interest? Sure so growing up mostly England and then as I got a bit older we went to Spain for a while and then came back and then we went to New Zealand and yeah I absolutely loved it it was such a cool experience. The only regret is I didn't learn Spanish so I hear, that, I hear that. Well, being being a Devereux, one of the few Devereaux I meet, I'm yeah, one of my big regrets is never learning French because I would love to drop some French on people. But uh, unfortunately, that, that boat has sailed. But yeah, your, your point around adapting and connecting, I think, is quite an important one. And you touched on that with your uh, well, our discussion earlier around your apprenticeship application and interview where it's all around your outgoing approach your you know your your ambition your your proactivity do you think that land that that upbringing landed you in good stead for your obviously clearly everything was leading up to your apprenticeship interview no absolutely without a doubt I think yeah it, it all built my character and lent towards the person I've become today and I think all those factors definitely have contributed to the way I approach everything in a day-to-day life and definitely how I incorporated that into my I guess application process to you know starting out in the industry well there's some early advice there around just harnessing whatever your experiences are growing up and applying them absolutely right just take what you use what you've got I think that's the one so moving on to the next question what three words describe you then this is one of my favorite questions in the vault is yeah the three words that describe you I'm always interested in people's take on this one absolutely so I mean, there's a lot of words to choose from, but the three I'd go for is inquisitive, driven, and creative. Inquisitive, driven, creative. I love that. Inquisitive is a nice one, because often, I think I've heard the word curious 
dropped a lot, but inquisitive. Do you think there's a difference between being curious and being inquisitive? I think I think they're both very similar to their own respects. I think, you know, we're, we're trying to get across the same thing. It's just, you know, always being eager or I guess, yeah, curious about how something is done and learning it for yourself. I think it's always good to ask questions and really push yourself. So we're always constantly learning. So I think it's always great to, you know, take that leap yourself and, you know, try and accomplish new things all the time. Do you think that's something that having done this podcast a few times now, I'm, I'm learning a lot personally around what drives people and particularly through meeting you know, your peers, actually people who have been in the industry for between you know two to maybe five years is there are almost two types of people that go to the cinema or go or watch TV. There's people who just go and consume it and enjoy it and have a great time. And there are people who go, I wonder how that got made. How did they do that? You know, and I want to learn more. And then they hit YouTube up and they do their reading. And then, yeah, I'm an absolute sucker going to the film and uh, I'll just, something will click in my head and I'll just turn into VFX mode and start thinking, okay, well, how did they do this? And then maybe I'll watch, a few breakdowns uh, in my spare time. I really love doing stuff like that. And I remember actually early starting out, I was mostly doing animation compositing. And I think one thing that really helped me once I started to delve into the creative side of developing effects, etc., I found going to the film and watching, you know, big name feature titles and just, you know, absorbing everything and just really trying to think of it more so from a professional standpoint as opposed to just, well, of course, obviously you always get immersed into a film at some point and just sit back and relax and enjoy it. But I think it's also nice to try and take away something as well. But I think that's another really special thing, like as to what you mentioned, there's two types of occasions that you'll see a film now, especially once you've learned how to do this stuff, you know, you're the magic. And I think that's what makes films that I enjoy so special to me as well as the ones that I can just forget about everything I know and I'm just there in the moment watching the mm. film I think those are the films that really you know do their job and are amazing pieces of work you, you almost know it's a good film when a, when a visual effects artist goes to a film and they don't study it like a, sure, yeah, like a master class just get lost sure, yeah. in the magic of it all yeah that's, that's some good linear notes there for uh, film directors and producers out there so what inspires you? We've talked about your three words about innovation, no, sorry, not innovation, inquisitive, your inquisitive nature, that drive and creativity, but what really gets your juices flowing? What inspires you, Niall? Absolutely. I think a big part of it, like I touched on earlier, I mean, in terms of uh, networking, et cetera, I think surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded and, you know, really having a good network of friends and family, et cetera, and, you know, people around you I think that really pushes you to be your best self and I think there's also that you know friendly nature of competitiveness that you know it's it's always a bit it's always healthy to have a bit of a competitive nature and you know wanting to do as good or better than you know your peers and that back and forth can kind of uplift both of you to you know become better in so many respects but I think other things I think that's a big part of what inspires me. So the people around me, but additionally, I think setting myself milestones, like projects I'd like to work on or things I'd like to achieve. And I guess in its essence, breakdowns that I've seen from big feature projects to small projects, I just love seeing how things are made and how I can maybe incorporate that into my own work. Oh, I love that. And there's something there about like, you know, a community 
you know, like you say, sur- surrounding yourself with people, whether it be family, whether it be peers, artists, you know, the studio. And like your take on competitiveness, because often when people talk about, you know, people inspiring them, they talk only about the collaboration and everybody working together. But actually there's something in there about a bit of healthy, you know, let's try and be better than each other. Let's try and push each other forward and, and, and bring each other up as well. But sure. of course you want to be the best in the game, right? Is that fair to say? No, and that, I think yeah. everyone's, you know, got their goals and wants to work towards them. And I think, like you said, that healthy little back and forth between each other really not brings each other up together and uh, I think yeah looking up to peers and everything obviously you always want to try and get to your next milestone and I think it's very fortunate in our industry that lots of people with way more experience than myself or maybe the same experience for them when they were starting out there's always people to help you out or encourage you to do better go into the deep end you know just really grow as a, a person and an artist yeah, I love that. And uh, I mean, how are those milestones working out for you so far? Yeah, pretty great. I mean, I remember, I think it was, you know, lockdown Christmas number one. And <laughs> we had, um, hopefully that's also the last one, but there we go. I think <laughs> I think I'd finally found the time to watch The Mandalorian. Mm. And, you know, I just sat there watching it and I was like, wow, I would love to work on something like this. And I think one Christmas later, I had the opportunity to be on the Book of Boba. So it's a, it's, a, it's a real pleasure. And I'm just, you know, still pinching myself, really. It's really nice to have come this far. How much can you talk about the Book of Boba Fett at this stage? Is it, are you in later episodes or is your work uh, already out there in the first couple of episodes? Yeah, so obviously, as soon as we're allowed to, I love to, you know, tell my friends and family, you know, hey, check this out. I just worked on this. And... Uh, my bless them, my friends have looked at the credits and I says, guys, I'm not there yet. <laughs> so I'll be in a few later episodes, but no, it's I think it's super gratifying to see your name at the end of a piece of work that you know you've put so much blood, sweat, and tears into. That's so cool. I've loved that simple, not simple, but that, that simple moment of a credit, you know, particularly Absolutely. for apprentices who have come through that Definitely. route and just to be in the cinema or watching something on, on TV and just seeing your name at the end of these incredible world-class shows it's just nuts it's it's truly amazing and it's you know I know a lot of us are just a small cog in the big machine but I think it's you know everyone deserves a pat on the back that's been involved in creating these you know true like masterpieces of work it's just it's amazing you know you're just walking to do your daily shopping and you see something that you worked on on the side of a bus it's just (laughs) you know it's pretty crazy and uh you know so it's a lovely feeling that's so cool. That's so cool. And yeah, so congratulations. That's a serious milestone that is from the Mandalorian to working on the uh, the next big, a big uh, Lucasfilm property. So yeah, this is again, another personal favourite question here is the, uh, the explain what you do for a living to an alien. So you get that knock on the door. There's the ETs at the door and there's a laser gun to your head, or maybe not. And <laughs> you've got to explain what you do to them. What on earth do you do, Niall? Sure thing. So, I mean, I think my family might be aliens since I've had the same difficulty explaining <laughs> to them what I did but the the best way I can truly describe what a compositor is is in simple terms it's photoshop for video I think that's the best way to put it to someone who's not so familiar with the craft but I think it's you know you're essentially taking all these various components from different departments from animation and animation to modeling effects to motion graphics and you're your it's your responsibility to compile all this together and composite composite it in a fashion that really sells it as realistic and immerses the watcher in the moment. And I think 
choosing those special parts that really you know sells the piece such as am i going to put this building further back in the distance by having more fog in the foreground etc like i think that creative direction and opportunity to really you know push your shot to final i think that's something really special you get to do with positing yeah i love that and uh, yeah creative being one of your three words as well it's all around that problem solve isn't it it's all around like say more fog here a little bit mist over there you know absolutely a bit shadow there I'm sure these aliens will have a few questions on, you know, perhaps what is Photoshop <laughs> <laughs> or effects, but um, I think yeah, we'll... Uh, yeah. Well, well uh, I think it's just the aliens are so clever to get here. They that, you know, a bit of Photoshop wouldn't hurt them. They'll understand the concept of film and TV and there cinema. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll give them that credit at least. I mean, they'll be a pretty intelligent racer, I imagine. So what did you want to be when you grew up then? Clearly not, a, or maybe it was a visual effects artist, but I think we established early on in the pod that perhaps that wasn't on your radar when you were you were coming up in the performative years. No, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, originally starting out, you know, going through, you know, the traditional education system, I think it would have been an engineer or an architect for me. And, you know, I think throughout that period where I was, you know, still trying to discover what it was I wanted to pursue, I think architect more so because, you know, that was appealing to my more creative side. And I think engineering because I enjoyed physics and I enjoyed the problem solving aspect of things. And in my spare time at a young age of like 10 or so, I'd like to say, I love playing games in my free time. I was stumbled across one called, I think it was roblox maybe that roblox has their own game engine that you can use to create your own games and it initially started off as you know just a bit of fun maybe i'll try and make something that my mates can play or something and it's you know it's really like intuitive in the sense that it's not a difficult program to to learn especially since i was 10 years old i was just building things and maybe a bit of programming or whatever but i think going forwards with that it really turned a passion into what i would like to think started off my career in the sense that the passion for 3d modeling and building my own games etc opened up my eyes to the opportunity of you know our industry today and yeah i guess i had more of a 3d background starting out but i think it's the idea of compositing and what it stands for and what you get to create the end of the pipe i think that's what really came to me in a roundabout way what a great grounding right i mean what a great grounding i mean you're having that real appreciation for early 3d and just loving physics and loving all of the the subjects that we talk about at lots of careers events around maths and physics and geometry it's not just about being artistic and then all that kind of uh coming coming together in your your current role now because like you said early days i imagine the only options would have been well it's either engineer or architect obviously before this whole world opened up right Definitely. And I think it's important, you know, there's a lot of things I guess young people do. I know I did it. I know lots of people are encouraged to do it. It's like you get given this questionnaire and you fill it out if you like some interest and it will, you know, give you some cookie cutter options. <laughs> but I think it's really like think about what your passions are and what ins- what inspires you, what you enjoy doing and really see if you can make a career out of it. And I think that's definitely what I was able to do through, you know, my passion for, you know, not only games, film especially. So I was lucky enough to turn that around into a job. But I think had you asked me at a much younger age, you know, I probably would have said that I'd want to be Spider-Man or something. But well, I think I think in a roundabout way, 
I might eventually get to, you know, work on him. So there you go. Get that in milestones. I'll ever get to being a superhero. <laughs> we'll do a follow-up podcast when you've worked on a Spider-Man movie. Sure. If anyone's yeah. listening out, that's a, it's a clear Noel Smith milestone already. Yeah, down. Crossed. Fingers crossed. Exactly. Brilliant. Uh, thank you. And uh, obviously our next question talks around kind of universities and colleges, and we know that you went through the apprenticeship route. So I don't want to omit the question altogether. So I'm going to tweak it. And we've touched on this already, but is there anything else you want to add on, you know, why you chose the apprenticeship route, why you felt this, this is the route for me? I think a big question that a lot of people ask themselves is, is, you know, is university for me? And I think whilst university is, you know, it's, it's amazing. And obviously, you know, you're, you're going to work through everything and you're going to, you know, not only develop yourself professionally, but you know, the peers you meet at university, you'll have them as connections forever, et cetera. I mean, it's a, it's a very similar process with the Apprenticeship Foundation. And I think as I get frequently asked, you know, should I, should I stick to university or is it, is it okay for me to do an apprenticeship? And, and absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest selling point for me for deciding to choose an apprenticeship was, as I said previously, I was fortunate enough to get that work experience whilst on my games course, completely pushed the boat out. And I thought, let's not go local, let's just go for it. And I actually applied to a AAA game studio in Manchester, Traveller's Tales, working on all the Lego games. And I was fortunate enough to receive a response for them very early on. And they said, absolutely, come and, you can come and do a work shadow placement for a week. Brilliant. And it was this in-industry experience where I probably learned about three months worth of college in about three days. <laughs> and it was that exposure and getting to shadow someone with so much experience on the field I think it was you know I I can't put into words how much I learned and how valuable it was to me and that's definitely the deciding moment for right I want to do a hands-on learning experience and an apprenticeship route for me mm. I, I think another thing I'd like to highlight as well with the apprenticeship obviously not only are you getting taught and you're getting relevant in industry experience I think especially in our creative field a lot of employers look you know reels and what you can do and I think whilst obviously the piece of paper you're getting in university is you know invaluable it's you know going to get you open a lot of doors for you I think having that actual hands-on experience and credits and real projects I think that's so valuable especially starting out in the industry and you know you're, you're already removing that first obstacle of getting your first job because you're starting it straight away and I think it's such an amazing opportunity that that apprenticeship offers. And of course, there's also a nice added bonus that you're getting paid to learn. So that's always nice. That's a huge one. You've touched on a lot there. And again, I love this, uh, this work experience example at TT. And uh, yeah, big fan having played a lot of the, uh, the Lego games with my, uh, my eight-year-old. <laughs> but oh, yeah. that taste of hands-on experience, you had that taste and did, you haven't looked back. And I think that's so cool. And this, again, coming back to this idea of community, like university, I mean, I've been, I went to uni many, many years ago. We're talking 90, mid 90s when I went. But, you know, the, uh, typically a lot of people go to university to have, you know, to cement those friendships, to have the great social experience, the character building stuff. But you get that. We talked about it on a previous apprenticeship program with, uh, with Steph Preston, where you still get that, that great experience. You still get those great friends. You get a sense of community. And one thing I've learned working in the visual effects industry is that amazing community of people and you've got that apprenticeship community you mentioned earlier you know the, the people that have been through the program with you that you go to college with anyway and you can get to bounce off each other and i imagine you're still in touch with with that lot right 
professor. Definitely. I mean, I'm still in contact with all of them. And I think that's one of the amazing things. I think, I think when I was very close to starting out as well, I was listening to a lot of podcasts such as these myself. And I think, you know, you hear it from people that have entered a similar route, which was probably earlier on in VFX known as runner. And I mean, obviously that's still very present in our industry, but, you know, even people that have started out as runners, they say that, you know, other people that started out as runners with them, they've grown together through the company. And I think, you know, it doesn't matter whether they, you know, you part ways along the journey, you know, you're always still going to have contact with each other and that's i think that's a really important part to take into account is the communication side of our job as well it's not just you know making pretty pictures it's you've, you've really got to throw yourself in there and get them get get involved in the community and when, when i started the apprenticeship i actually i was moving from wales i was living down by my grandparents and a very small town in the middle of nowhere to uh, the big london city and i needed a place to stay and one thing i thought of doing was you know, reaching out to the apprenticeship. When I came to the interview, I made sure I got everyone's details and I arranged that we all went for a meal afterwards. So that really got, gave me a chance to get to know everyone. And then I actually asked a few people, hey, you want a flat share? And I ended up living with some of the people on my course for like more than a year. And, you know, as we were retrospectively working at different companies, you know, the likes of Framestore, DNEG, you know, Jellyfish, et cetera, we were really able to bounce off each other and learn about different pipelines, workflows. Someone was doing more roto, someone was doing more comp. We could give each other advice. You know, it was really so cool. positive and great experience. And, you know, they're going to be friends for life. So definitely. And again, coming back to that idea of communication and, and you talked earlier about, you know, being inquisitive and almost that friendly competitiveness with your your, your peer apprentices as well. Definitely, yeah. And going back to credits, you know, you look at those credits, you know, no one's an island in VFX, you know, I mean, it's endless, isn't it? I mean, you see the amount of 2D artists, 3D artists who've worked on any show, you know, that, that doesn't happen without communication and, and that's as much as a skill as the tech and the, and the, and the craft piece, right? For sure. So, interesting stuff so i'm going to skip the break into industry question i like to respect the vaults because you know it is in there but we know how you broke into industry but i want to yeah. get into uh, what i affectionately call in the geeky section which is all about the work and uh, the first element of that is so uh, what's the favorite show or favorite job that you've, you've worked on or project that's a tough one i think Obviously, what I was most excited for was the book of Boba, but and you know, sex education. Really, when I started to go into more VFX compositing, but in terms of my favorite job, I think it would have to be uh, my first feature, which was Spirit, and I think that's where I really took into account everything I'd learned previously, like my foundational skills as a compositor through the apprenticeship, and I really brought that into my position moving forwards into spirit and from that foundation i was able to work with some extremely talented artists and really learn from them and take away their more technical approach to shots their more creative approach to shots whilst also harnessing everything i previously learned i think you know that's the time where i really grew and learned the most and you know established myself in, into compositing and you would have worked with Chris Fryer on that. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah, previous yeah. Po um, podcast who, who yeah. worked on Spirit Untamed as well. Yeah, no, I, that one. it was actually, he was actually my lead on, oh, on the show. Yeah, 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 it was great to work with him. No, great guy. Well, hello, Chris, if you're if you're listening. I always expect that yeah. thousands of people listening shout to the podcast. But yeah, shout out to Chris Fryer for sure. 
Okay, so that's your favorite job and obviously your first feature, I think I saw on your LinkedIn profile. The only place I do my research. It doesn't go inside <laughs> LinkedIn. <laughs> it should do, but it doesn't. And what's, again, we don't tend to tend not to be too negative on, on the on the pod, but, uh, and we used to call this the worst job you've worked on, but we've, we've changed that to the most challenging project that you've been involved with. What, what really pushed you to, to the limit? Sure, no, definitely. I mean, I think, very early on when I think it was my second month into the apprenticeship like I think we had a we had a four weeks of some teaching at the college and then we got stuck into it and uh, they started giving us shots for projects in the companies and I remember my first day I got thrown straight into a dailies with all the biggest names in the company wow. and I was I was watching a just it's just a dailies review of a few shots and one of the first things they did at the end of their discussion was, okay, now, so you're going to address the fixes on these. And I was, Whoa. I was, okay. <laughs> and I think, I think that was really a big learning curve and, you know, really made me aware of how far I had to go. But further on from that, after I did have some experience, I worked on a like documentary shot. It was, it was only a few shots and uh, it was my first time really doing full CG, everything myself. And I'd kind of taken over from a freelancer and there was a lot of stuff in that script I didn't know yet. And, you know, it was a lot to look at. And I think kind of reverse engineering it and starting from the end to the start through the script and really trying to understand the process and learn what they did and then fix certain things and add to it was, I think, my biggest learning curve and really, you know, opened up the capabilities and possibilities with Nuke for me. I think that's that was my biggest turning point. You know, I was most challenged and had to learn the most, really thrown in the deep end. You, you totally need those experiences, don't you, though? As much as they're challenging and they're tough. I think they're the best things to happen to you, honestly, because mm. it's, it's really where you, you know, there's that fire that lights up inside you and, you know, not fight or flight. I think mm. it's really, you know, okay, I need to get this done. How can I do it? And you just start problem solving and you know it can be it can be tough or it can be you know stressful at times but you know you just work through that and eventually you'll get to the the end where you get to hit the publish button and uh see your yeah. work review and you know, it's a great feeling it's funny we talked about i think on the last episode with jasmine we i think i, I dropped the the quote what is yeah life begins at the edge of your comfort zone like that that example you gave yeah. on the dailies is like yeah i'll do it you know you get put on the spot and you know what's the worst that can happen here i'm just gonna Exactly. lean into it and go for it and and clearly that landed you in very good stead yeah no absolutely so do you have any aspirational heroes any vfx heroes anyone whether it be stuff you watched as a kid or people that you work with today you know who stands out as a as a hero sure i mean to say one would be really difficult because you know i've worked with so many talented people along the way who inspired and taught me a lot i mean Going, going back to Chris, even when he was lead on my show, you know, I learned a lot from him in his technical approach to not only completing one shot, but the, not in sense of continuity, but how he could recycle that process moving forwards. And I think it's really important to, you know, try and teach yourself these things and develop your own gizmos like he has. And I think I learned a lot from him technically on that side of things. And another pair that I've learned a lot from is Izzy Genova, who's an amazing colorist and a great VFX supervisor. And she's really taught me my early days, the creative process of how to, you know, not only be creative, but whilst keeping it realistic at the same time. 
And I think in a more generalized VFX standpoint, I think starting out as the apprenticeship is obviously, as you said, it's still an early course. And whilst you learn so much from it, I think sometimes as well, it's really important to remember that, you know, not everything serves you on a plate and you have to really teach yourself things along the way as well, because not everything's going to be there. So I think from people, and these are some great examples that I've used throughout the, my course and just VFX in general, is Sebastian Schutt. He's got some great comp VFX, like breaking down gears, breaking down nodes, how to do stuff just in general, great, great media platform. Hugo Guerra, he's answered a lot of in the industry's most frequently asked questions and, you know, picking up from some of his experience and his real breakdowns. You know, if you've ever got a question about, you know, how should I present my reel? There's a million to choose from out there. And, you know, Victor Perez, Tony Lyons, just all these big names in the industry. I think you can really look into what they've accomplished and what they have online as resources to, you know, teach yourself. And some great name dropping there. Yeah, a shout out to Izzy Genova, who's a big part of QVFX and part of the Access VFX family as well. And very aware yeah, of her awesome. work. So hello to Izzy if you're listening. And yeah, I mean, Hugo Guerrero, he is the king of nuke, isn't he? I mean, him, him, yeah. Hugo is the man He's when it comes to nuke. Sure. And of course, the mighty Victor Perez, we should, uh, yeah, I mean, all of those names we should get on the podcast. So uh, so watch out if you're listening. Uh, we're, we're coming. We're coming for you. <laughs> Some great, great names. Thank you for that. And yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's hard to pick just one, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, the same. I think the strength of any, well, any role in our industry, but particularly apprenticeships, is, yeah, there's the, the earning while you learn there's the course but as the, the mentors and the people you surround you you surround yourself with like you said earlier you know the people that inspire you whether Definitely. it be formal or formal mentoring I think it's such an element of the apprenticeship and ongoing right I mean I'm sure that's not stopped since you were no definitely yeah always picking up new things from from uh, the people that I'm working around so no what's the best shot you've ever seen whether it be VFX or animation or it could be an game thing you know what's the best shot you know that stands out it's again it's a toughie Tough question. It's a very you're throwing very difficult questions to answer at me. Favorites. I think in terms of my favorite, it's gonna have to be, and obviously I'm a fan of the show, so that you know also leads me towards this decision. But I think I had to go with Game of Thrones. I mean, they've got a lot amazing, you know, VFX moments, but I think one that really spoke to me was the scene in season seven where like there's this massive army of Dothraki riding in on the horses and then a massive dragon comes out of nowhere and sets everything on fire. I mean, that's just so cool. And, you know, I really, I really loved that. And although, you know, there's obviously a million components that went into creating that. And I think that's, that really spoke to me as a piece of work that I found to be substantial. Yeah. I sense a lot of the uh, Noel Smith milestone happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, targets to work towards, I think. But uh, another thing I'd like to highlight that really, you know, really hooked me early on at younger age into the whole realm that I'm in now is mm -hmm. that I loved watching the Blizzard cinematic game trailers and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, you know, I had a passion for games. I loved film TV. And when the two came together to make these eye, eye candy trailers, I was, I was so hooked at I think that's what really inspired me early on to kind of really just go for it and pursue this career in VFX. Yeah, it goes back to what you said earlier about when you identify what your passions are. And obviously, yeah. clearly an avid gamer and obviously your work experience at, at TT. And 
and uh, yeah it kind of you know and where you are now but uh, i think it's like harnessing the stuff that you love and you know you know absorbing all those great trailers and those early Definitely. those early games that's great love it so we've got another similar question here but this is moving away from shots and more 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 show so you've touched on game of thrones already but what show stands out as you know almost a visual effects masterclass you know literally the pinnacle of the art form you know what show is like wow that is all about you know world-class visuals absolutely i mean as we said it's unfair to name one or a few because there's so many great examples out there but i think one that really did it for me was blade runner 2049 Mm. and the likes of altered carbon as well i just love those those shows that really bring futuristic sci-fi environments to life and there's just they just seamlessly combine so many elements into a sense that you forget what you're even looking at anymore and you just feel so immersed in their world that they've created and I think that's amazing I think I think every aspiring composite whether you're starting out whether you've been in the industry for a while I, I don't think anyone could say that they don't love one of those scenes where you know there's a hologram the size of a building a million pieces of cg all over the place that you know it just looks amazing i love it i think it's a real great piece of work i guess anything goes in science fiction right I and mean, you can do anything we talk about visual effects now about you can create any world anything so yeah it's a, it's a huge palette isn't it i mean we talked about us and just how absolutely insane yeah that's mind-blowing especially really? the uh, sequence with you know the attack on the harbor sequence mm. where oh. Uh, yeah it's just there's so many amazing things to to say about it really and again goes back to what we said earlier about being immersed in something just being letting yourself go and just being part of this i don't know this experience that that, that's happened you know exactly yeah no i think it's so important to do and it's a really nice takeaway from being a part of it is you get to see everyone else's amazing work on things as well exactly exactly again go back to community right lifting everyone up definitely so the last part of the geeky bit is around character. So any any character design, best character design that you'd like to kind of pick? Definitely. I mean, I think the one that immediately comes to mind, I loved Pirates of the Caribbean growing up. And I think Davy Jones was one of those Second characters. time that's come up on the pod now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For Sid. yeah. Shout out to Davy Jones. He's, he's a really amazing character. And I think mm. really, he really terrified me whilst at the same time he has that like sense of humanity to him so he can be terrifying when he wants to be but he's also like this you know human-like character and I think the way as well they've obviously always animated those tentacles on his face to always be moving it really just sells in yeah I think it's a great a great character in a film I loved it it still stands up doesn't it and yeah Sid Harrington Odedra head of uh, VFX unit or head of CG official job site at the unit name checked that a few episodes ago so it's nice to get some commonality. If you ever bump into Sid, you've got something to bond over. There we go. <laughs> we can both hide from, from Davy Jones. Great, exactly. Great example. So getting into the kind of last chunk of the, the pod now, which is more around advice and, and industry. And we'd like to kick it off with the best piece of advice you've ever received. So what's the best piece of advice that stuck with you? You may not know who it was from, or you may, but yeah, who, what, who or what was it? Definitely. I mean... I was started very early on towards, you know, the beginning of my apprenticeship at the company. And there are a few people that, you know, always had the spare time, no matter how busy they were to, you know, help me out and, you know, try and uh, teach me the necessary skills I needed to start becoming a junior compositor. And one of those guys was Dave Wells. And he taught me a really thing that 
a really useful thing that's always stuck with me. And that's from every day, take away a golden nugget. And in that sense, every day, learn something, no matter how big or small, and really make sure you know it. And from each each day, have, a, have your own little takeaway. Maybe you learn a new node. Maybe you learn a new way to look at a shot. You know, just anything you can take away from each day is a you know, step forwards in becoming a better artist. It's great advice. I love that. Golden nugget every day. Have you stuck to that? I do my best to. Yeah, I think <laughs> uh, I think for the most part, I, there's always some. I mean, we're always learning, and uh, I think always. Obviously, some things more more obvious to you than others. That yeah. you know, okay, wow, I'd never seen this before. Let me learn it. A great example of that is been trying to pick up Blink Script recently. So that's a new hurdle I'm tackling. So. Yeah, one of my golden nuggets. Excellent, excellent. No, I completely agree with you. I think you know you, you're always learning. You're forever the student, and there's so much to to learn. Like every encounter, human interaction, work that you do, whatever field you're in, there's always something you can take away from it. More, more complete, right? I mean, it's definitely yeah. I love this stuff. Super geeky. I love it. So, got the imposter syndrome question. Have you ever felt out of your depth, or that you're perhaps faking it till you make it? I mean, sure. I think everyone's kind of encountered this position at some point throughout the professional career or outside of it, even wherever that may be. And I think these moments, you you really like challenge yourself to push yourself and become a better artist and really throw yourself into the learning process. Because as, as, as I said, going back to that documentary shot I did, I was a very junior compositor picking up from a senior freelance artist I think he was off sick for a few days and I I was just tasked with the responsibility of you know picking up his script etc and bringing it to final and I think it's these moments where you know like can I do this or etc that you might often find yourself asking yourself but I think the answer is always yes and you know whether you need to you know just stand up and have a walk around or grab a coffee and come back to it with a fresh clear mind a new perspective like for example if you've been working on a shot for a long time it's great to just you know walk away come back to it and you'll see it with complete new eyes and I think you know never never be intimidated by this because you know as you said previously I mean as you quoted I mean you're you're always learning the most when you're thrown in the deep end but I think I think that's really a, an important part of you know working it's just, and that's what that. I love about I love about this podcast is advice like that. It's like yeah. never be intimidated because it is. There's so much, so much self doubt and kind of limiting beliefs and you know imposter syndrome is. We've talked about it on the pod already in previous episodes, but it's such a limiting thing and it's such a real thing for people. And it, ultimately, it's it's BS, right? I mean, it's just about just going Absolutely. for it, and doing your thing. Right? Absolutely. I mean, it's all in your head. And I mean, I think, you know, you just got to have the confidence and self-belief to, you know, push yourself forwards and know that, you know, if you keep at it, you're going to get there eventually. And I think speaking to all the future people wanting to take an apprenticeship, or maybe you've just started out from university. I mean, absolutely, there's going to be a sharp learning curve when you start out. And I think, especially speaking to apprentices, because not everyone has a lot of immediate experience going into this. I mean, I'd not really used nuke at all before until i started joined the course mm-hmm. and so you know it's really open to people at all different skill levels you know no matter like kind of go back to what the thing i said about you know it's your passion and drive to want to learn the the knowledge and i think that's ever so important because 
starting out, especially as an apprentice, you're going to be tasked with lots of industry level challenges and it's it's your responsibility to make sure you're hitting those targets for production so i think you know don't let it intimidate you and uh, keep pushing forwards have that perseverance and you'll get there great advice um so still on the subject of advice is uh this is the time travel question this is when you get in the delorean i think people still know the, the, the cultural reference of the delorean at my ripe old age and <laughs> you go to visit your teenage self well, not that long ago to be honest now yeah to me but if you could go back to your young to visit your younger self what advice would you give yourself i think to not be so hard on myself and you know don't get don't get caught up by the little things you know everything comes with time and experience you know speed performance and skill set don't come to you overnight mm -hmm. and it's something you just have to you know continuously work on and you'll always be learning no matter how far you get into your career i think and yeah, my advice to myself is, you know, don't be so hard on myself. And yeah, I think I think that's the main thing going forward because mm -hmm. I think it's important to take a step back and appreciate, you know, where you are at currently and, you know, like credit. You've mentioned taking a step back quite a lot, which I quite like. It's like if in doubt yeah, whether you're out your depth, just walk around the room, have a cup of coffee. All the yeah, I think are available. Definitely. I think self-assessment is always an important thing, you know, mm -hmm. just check up on yourself as well as you know the people around you i think that's always a really valuable skill to have and it's a journey isn't it i mean again something that's come up on previous episodes is you know like you rightly say you're always working on yourself you're never a finished product and Definitely. having that realization early on clearly has landed you in good stead i'm sure you've already invented the technology and gone back in time to do it already sure so similar question but different is what do you wish you'd known when you were starting out is there anything you wish you'd had under your belt when you were kicking things off sure thing i mean i had i was lucky enough to do that games course like i said so i had a more like generalist perception of how things work the pipeline and I had that little bit of experience but i think what would have taken me a long way initially is having more knowledge of how a camera works when i was starting out i mean obviously you know the basics were there but Things such as, you know, aperture, f-stop, how Bokker is affected by X, Y, and Z, and all these, all these, you know, camera terminologies and, you know, functionality of a camera, because working as a compositor, it's so important to understand how the world is seen through a camera in order to, you know, replicate that realism in your own shots. And, you know, it's, it's always good to ask yourself, well, how would this react in real life, et cetera? And I think, you know, having a, having a strong knowledge of cameras, I think that will take you a long way. I think knowing a bit of theory always helps. And, it, and even knowing more theory can help you with your more creative side as well, because you'll know more processes to maybe create the vision you have in your head. So yeah, knowing more about a camera. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. And it's something that we talk about a lot, particularly those uh, folks getting into kind of 2D roles is, you know, just show an interest in in the still image and photography and, and there's something and it is quite a craft i mean have you found you've picked that up via osmosis in your role or have you bought yourself a, a nice slr and you are you uh are you taken up uh, avid photography in your spare time no absolutely i mean definitely i've been involved in lots of that moving forwards since starting as an apprentice but i was always enjoying going out taking pictures making my own little stop motion animations and all these all these kind of little bits and pieces that contributed to you know learning more about it now but 
or even just you know maybe a day trip with some friends getting out there with a the camera having a bit of fun it's always a nice thing to do and that's what it's all about at the end of the day right that's why we do what we do Definitely. so i think you've answered the next question which is what show or time in your career did you learn the most and why is there any other notable mentions because obviously you talked about the documentary when you were thrown into the deep end but are there any other big learning curves for you over the last few years yeah no definitely i think jumping into my first feature on spirit i it was my first time using deep and i mean there's new processes and obviously that changes dependent on company to company as well i mean i haven't uh, done so yet but i understand that lots of companies use linux and there's different proprietary software so i think stuff like that moving on to spirit like i said there was a lot of new things for me to learn and pick up from more experienced artists so i think that in its own sense i learned a lot but moving into vfx last year as well live action shots i think i've i've developed so much in that in that regard to you know how to produce rotoscopes or cleanups at a faster capacity you know really bringing my shots to a new level with uh, the higher profile projects i think yeah it's definitely a process i've come to learn excellent i'm excited to uh follow your career and i'll go yeah see what else you work on again going yeah, back, to the, back to the milestones that are in place for this year I'll definitely i'll let you know <laughs> so we're going to lean into the industry questions now and uh, it's only a couple but uh, the first part of that is what would you change about the visual effects industry anything you, you would tweak with i mean i think it's hard to say what i would change because there's so much that i love about it already mm -hmm. but i think an important thing especially as we move into this new era era of working from home i think it's important to, you know know when to stop and you know because it's very easy i think especially when you're working from home now to work past the uh the bell so to speak yeah. and you just really get so involved in your shot and that can sometimes be a great thing but also you don't want to burn yourself out so it's important to know when to you know stop and take a break so i think yeah. that's the only thing i'd mention because everyone's you know done done their late nights or mm -hmm. i think pushed themselves really far even if it's not asked of them and i think you know it's important to you know make sure you don't push yourself too far in the sense that you burn out yeah again check in with yourself uh self-assessment again coming up right because yeah it's come up a few times on the pod as well and in various conversations we've had over the years is that kind of you know not switching off because a lot of the time and i'm not saying it's all of the time but a lot of the time it's coming from a place of passion it's coming from a place of love for what you do nobody gets into visual effects if they don't care about you know the end product you know it's not like you work stacking yeah, shelves in Sainsbury's right yeah no, no absolutely I think yeah that's a really important thing and uh, I mean uh, there's so many times where I've just cracked on with a shot even if I know it's not due for another few days I'm just having so much fun doing it I want to see the final product yeah it's just you know checking mm. on yourself that's fair so anything we can do, or at least one thing we can do as a step towards a more inclusive and diverse industry, what can we I think I think we've already got so many great things in place, such as you mentioned, what Izzy's doing currently mm -hmm. with, you know, engaging with a larger and more diverse audience and really, you know, talking about problems in the industry. And I think these discussions are actually what needs to happen. And, you know, really, you know, just self-awareness, I think, you know, educate yourself and in these matters and i think it's also important maybe from my my perspective as an apprentice i think going back to well i didn't even know this was possibility as a career path originally i think 
really getting that exposure out there to everyone to let them know that this is a possible career path and it's absolutely doable by anyone and everyone. And I think, you know, a lot of people already don't even know that they could pursue a career in, you know, visual effects, or they might not think they'd be able to do it. And, you know, we're, we're, we're here to have these discussions to say, well, you absolutely can and, yeah. you know, get started. And the so. roots are out there. I mean, it's, I've mentioned Absolutely. this a lot, you know, it's, it's all to play for if you want to work in this industry. There's so much opportunity. Definitely. It's not just apprenticeships. There's, I mean, there are still really good runner programs out there. There's still great entry-level opportunities that exist. Absolutely. There's so much to, so much opportunity to grasp. So yeah, you just got to pursue it. So no, we're going to bring it on home now before we close the vault with the big one. You talked about golden nuggets earlier. So we're going to get you to drop your golden nugget and it's your golden nugget of advice for anyone <laughs> trying to get into the industry there's been plenty of nuggets already this has been a pretty content rich episode what's the one golden nugget that you want to leave people with oh that's a tough one to, to choose from one i think i think self-development is the biggest one i think look look at your peers around you look at people that are already out there you know it's very easy to look at someone that's already doing a great job, someone that's already successful, learn from them. Like I said, there's so much media out there. You gotta be careful that you're not, you know, learning bad practice, but I think you can find so much tutorials out now that are, you know, industry standard and very, very good for either very little cost or some that are free. So I think, you know, always pushing yourself to keep learning and teaching yourself new things and get a takeaway from each day, I think. I think that's something I'd really like to push forwards. Yeah, going back to original advice, advice from David, you know, take something away each day. Self-development. I think we leave it there. I think we're safe to close the vault door. Should we do it? Let's do it. There it goes. There it goes. Thank you so much, Nai. You've been a great guest. It's been a real pleasure to speak to you. Anything you want to leave people with? Anything you you can talk about? Anything you're working on that you're allowed to talk about? Or are you literally fully NDA'd? I think my lips are sealed for now, but great things on the way. And, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure to come on here and talk with you. It's been a real honor. So thank you for having me. Thank you, Now, Cheers. Have a good day. Thanks, Now. Well, that was episode eight, season two of the Access VFX podcast. We very much hope you enjoyed it. I personally loved this episode and I particularly love the idea of milestone setting and continuous self-development, such rich stuff. Before you go, a couple of things. Please go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, subscribe and leave us a review if you fancy it. And most importantly, please get involved with our Foundry-sponsored global e-mentoring program. If you're in the UK, US, Canada, Australia, or New Zealand, you can sign up for free to get an industry mentor or be a mentor yourself to folks aspiring or just getting started in VFX animation or games, all free. Go to www.accessvfx.org forward slash mentors and change someone's life. Thank you, Niall, for being such an inspiring guest. Thanks to Tom Box for producing it and for the graphics. And of course, thanks to you for listening. Come join me next week where we speak to another incredible guest. Thank you.